You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. This message has been coming together in my heart for a couple of weeks. I have several things I would like to bring to you, and um, it just keeps growing. So um, I didn't try to put it down in in bullet points on slides. Uh, you can open your Bibles, if you would, with me over to uh, John chapter 17 this morning. John chapter 17. You guys there? Yep. Okay. One of you is. That's good. Um, I told you last week <clears throat> that I sent out this Christmas letter with our Christmas cards, and it just talked about things that were going on in our lives. And one little section of that, uh, I don't know how little it was, but anyway, just one section of that was about some of the things God is doing in the church. And I mentioned this particular, well, I I mentioned a couple, but anyway, I mentioned this particular testimony that Barb had given in the summer uh, of her after she broke her ribs, of her ribs being healed. And actually, there are some lessons involved in that that I want us to look at, but but not today. Uh, but that testimony, um, this this friend of mine that I've known since I was, I think, 10 years old, 10 or 11 years old. He's a little older than I am. But uh, he, I know that at one time, he was to some degree or another, I know that he was walking with God. And But what he, he called me about that when he read that testimony. And the reason that he called was because he believed it because he knows me. And that's kind of what I was just saying about our testimony book. Be sure that what we write in there is something we know really happened, you know. And, and, but that meant something to him because he knew we wouldn't make it up. He knew we wouldn't make something up to promote ourselves or the church or whatever. And so him hearing about that healing, he picked up the phone and called. And we talk maybe once or twice a year. And he picked up the phone and called, and he called specifically to ask about that. And he he asked, did that happen in your service? And I said, yes, and went on, told him a little more about it. And and I told him, again, about some other healings that had happened and different things. But I just related it like, this is, you know, this is awesome. This is great. We're thrilled about this. This is everyday life because it is. And, but to him, it's not. And, and again, his comment to me was, I've always believed in God, but I've never believed in Jesus. But seeing that he didn't use the word testimony, but seeing that testimony, reading that testimony, hearing that from somebody I trust is causing me to reevaluate what I believe. So there's a whole message there about the power of testimony that we talk about a lot, and that's one of the reasons we want these things written down in the books. There is the power of your testimony to people that know you, that know that you don't just make stuff up, all right? We can't underestimate the power of those stories. 
The Gospels are stories. They're stories of what Jesus did. And those stories are full of life. Yes, it's the Word of God. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was written down on purpose because the Holy Spirit wanted it written down. And it's the Word of God and it carries His life. But your testimony carries a tremendous amount of weight and power when it's something that happened with you or happened with it. It wasn't my testimony. My ribs didn't get healed. But I know somebody well whose ribs moved back into place. And there's more to that story. Maybe we'll talk about it another day and talk about some, some good ideas about healing. But, but I know somebody personally that this happened to. The relating of that story, I'm praying, changed this man's perspective and life. And the Lord can take it from there and bring him, send other laborers across his path, everything that he wants to do to bring that person around to a revelation of who Jesus is. But that statement got me thinking about a whole train of things. That statement that I've always believed in God, but I've never believed in Jesus, this is causing me to reevaluate. Just thinking about how many people we know in our lives. I'm sure all of you have people in your lives that need to come to the Lord. You care about them. You love them. I know a lot of people around town that that I I love them. I I can think of, and I'm not going to say names, but I mean, I can think of so many right now. I want to see them come to Christ. I want to see them enter into eternal life. It's not a religious thing. I care about them. I want them to be able to experience what we've experienced in the salvation and the life of God. It's so good. I want it for them. And we know people like this. They're all over in our world and and in our valley. And, And a lot of them would say that, oh, I believe there's a God. I believe They might say, I believe in God, or I believe there's a God, or I believe there's a higher power. I believe that. I just, I, I don't believe in Jesus, or I don't believe a lot of them have just been put off by what they have seen, or think they have seen, or have heard that they have seen in, in church. You know, there's a lot of misrepresentation of that, and there are some bad things that go on. They might, uh, I, you know, People, a classic that, that I hear is, you know, uh, oh, I believe in God, but I, I, I see God in nature. I worship God out in nature. I worship God out in nature too. Can hardly help it, you know, when you're out there and you're seeing what he has made. And the scripture tells us that, that nature speaks of him, but you can't get to know him through nature. You can see a couple of his primary characteristics. You can see that he's a creator. Okay, you can see that he has power. You can see that he values beauty. There are things that you can pick up from looking at nature. You can see the intricacy, the the amazing creation. It is so phenomenal if you look at it that it will draw you to think, there's somebody behind this. I mean, you got to be kind of messed up. I, you know, sorry to 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 look at the creation and not get there's something behind this. There is somebody behind this thing. But anyway, you know, we we hear that 
well, yeah, I worship God in nature. You can hardly help it, but I can't get to know his person. You know, this statement, I believe in God, but I've never believed in Jesus. Well, Jesus is the revelation of the Father that was given to us. So it makes perfect sense that if you don't know who Jesus is, you're not going to know who the Father is. There are not a whole bunch of ways to God. Some people say, I believe in God, but I believe there are a bunch of ways. Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I know it's very, very unpopular statement in our culture. Very unpopular. A lot of Christians will argue with you about that. A lot of people that claim to be believers, and maybe they are. I don't know. I don't have to judge them. Thank God. We'll, we'll argue with you uh, about that. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. In John 17, so, so here's what I'm trying to get at. There's a huge difference between believing in God and knowing God. And that's an essential difference. And it's not up to us. Let me say this from the beginning. It's not up to us uh, to, to be judgmental about that. It's simply a fact that believing in God, believing there is a God, that doesn't bring anyone into eternal life any more than thinking that you can get into eternal life by doing good works does. Simply believing that there is a God. James tells us in uh, chapter 2, I think it's verse 19, James says, so you believe there's one God, well, good for you, is the, the way I think it's the New Living Translation says, well, good for you. So do the demons, and they tremble with fear. And that word tremble there, it, it's a Greek word that means fear that comes that would make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It's, it's fear, fear. It's being afraid of type of fear. And he says, yeah, the demons believe that there's a God and it terrifies them. And I was thinking about that and thinking, and here we're walking around believing that there's a God, but not knowing him. And we're not scared. And we should be. There's a disconnect there. You know, I mean, he is the way to eternal life. Here in John chapter 17, Jesus said this in verse 3. He says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. This is it. Knowing God. Knowing Jesus. This word known, we're going to look at it in a couple of other passages. To know God, it doesn't just mean to believe in God. It doesn't just mean to believe we have a higher power. It doesn't mean, and I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying they're not enough. They're absolutely not enough to bring somebody into eternal life. Can be a starting point. I'm not saying it's bad. Can be a doorway. But I am saying, I, I think sometimes in this culture, we get so soaked in this culture, if we're not careful, that we can look around, well, you know, they're a good person. Well, I'm glad they're a good person. I'm glad they're not a bad person. But I want them to live in eternity with God. And, and that doesn't happen just because we're a good person. It doesn't happen just because we follow societal, social 
uh, morals that change every five years. You know, it doesn't happen because we follow biblical morals. We enter eternal life by knowing Jesus and knowing the Father, not just believing that they or he exists, okay? Jesus said, this is eternal life, knowing the Father, knowing Jesus Christ whom he sent. That word know, and, and, and you guys know this, but that word know, it is a relational word. It is a, it is a relationship with a person. It is not a stacking up of facts. It is not being able to know about you know, I, I know about God. I know about Jesus. I could pass a, I can pass a test, you know, on who Jesus is. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying to have relationship with. He's saying um, it's a relational word. It is a progressive word. Relationships grow. Relationships, if they are good relationships, they grow. They change over time. Hopefully, you know, they get deeper. And if you think about relationship with people, there are people in our lives that we, we were just talking about somebody uh, here in town that we interact with just on a business sense all the time that we really like. We, we really like her. She's fun. She's great. I don't really know her. And I've known her for 15, 20 years, you know, I mean, but I don't really know her. We don't interact on that level. We interact on a surface level. And we have a good relationship on a surface level. She doesn't know us. We think we know each other, but that's not the kind of knowing. The Lord here is talking about a depth of knowing, an increasing knowledge. So we have people that we have those surface relationships with. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's very appropriate that we have surface relationships with some people. You shouldn't have surface relationships and those are the only relationships you have. You should have some deeper ones. But surface relationships are okay. And, and then if you recreate with somebody or, or a group of people, well, you get to know them in a little different way. But it's a pretty happy environment most of the time. Recreating is everybody's out there having fun, you know, doing something they like to do. But you still, there's some conversation. You get to know people a little better. If you start to work with somebody, you get to know them in a different light. You start to participate with them in, in an environment where things aren't always happy, which work is generally that way. Some days it's just hard. Some days it's just, you know, put, put, your, put your nose down and get it done. Some days it's a lot of fun. Some days there's a lot of success. Some days there aren't. You know, so you start to go through things that are more difficult, less difficult, you know, more more real in a sense. Maybe you spend more time, hopefully, at work than you would just recreating together. Uh, so you get to know them on a little bit deeper level. And if you begin to, um, if you're ministering to people, you get to know them usually a little more deeply. If you're ministering with people, you're working together in the church or you're going out and ministering to people, but you're ministering. So you're, so you have this spiritual purpose, uh, that you're, you're bringing Christ to people, but you're doing it together with a group. Your, your prayer, uh, is greatly increased through that because corporate prayer, agreement prayer is a powerful thing. You're, 
your understanding of where another person's heart is changes. And so you're relating to them on a different level. Certainly, if you live with someone and you go through life, and particularly, I'll just say it this way, if you live with someone in covenant, because there are a lot of people that live together these days that are, you know, living uh, as man and wife, but are not man and wife, the covenant actually makes a difference. You know, people like to just pretend these days that, well, no, why, why do we need the piece of paper? Piece of paper doesn't matter. Well, if it doesn't matter, then why are you avoiding it so hard? If there's, if there's nothing to the piece of paper, then why are you pushing it away so hard? All right. When you enter into covenant relationship with somebody, whether that's around business or certainly where that's uh, husband and wife, family, when you start to get into that, you start to get into real life together. And you, because there's a covenant, you are committed to going through thick and thin till death do us part. Those words actually mean something. They should actually mean something. So, so you so you get into this covenant relationship and man there's you you start to know a person with god in all of that i mean this is we're talking about relationships on this level with god in all of that as we begin to participate with him in life and we make sure cuz god's ready to participate 24/7 all right but we make sure that every day we are engaging our life with his and inviting him into our lives. Now you start to go through thick and thin. You start to go through hard days and good days. And one thing you see is he doesn't change. On the hard days, he doesn't change. He doesn't He doesn't act like, oh man, I never saw this coming. You know, we can feel that way. He never does. All right, we, we notice that he doesn't change. We start to notice his love doesn't waver. We start to notice we, we do something really awful and he doesn't leave us and he doesn't walk away we go through you know and we, so we get to know his personality as we actually go through life together as this thing becomes more than a religious idea or this just sort of ethereal yeah i believe there's a god you know well and i i'm sorry i i don't mean to make i i really don't in my heart <laughs> mean to make light of that. But the point is, that's just so surface compared to Jesus said eternal life is knowing. The knowing he's talking about is the same knowing that's used to describe that intimate relationship, including sex between a husband and a wife. It's, it's, it is a, a love that exists within covenant. It is a full commitment. It is it, within that you get to know him. That's what we have available to us. That's what we have available to us. And it's really up to us. On his end, he's fully committed. Before we ever even have a concept, you know, this person I'm talking about, you know, who, who said, I've always believed it was God and never believed in Jesus. Well, it's an idea of Jesus. It probably has more to do with what he, his perception of Christians and Christianity and church and all those kinds of things. It probably has more to do with that than anything about the person of Jesus. I know he believes in a historical Jesus. I know he believes in that. But what got him was Jesus 
manifesting himself, healing someone's body in a miraculous way in the in an environment with someone he knew. That's what got him. That's a real Jesus. That's not just a story about Jesus. That's not a religion about Jesus. That's Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Jesus in 2021 touching somebody's body and bringing healing to them. That's real. That's what people need. That's what people, that's why we say that our testimony is often the calling card, the open door to the gospel. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 3, if you would, with me. I hope you have your Bible with you. Philippians chapter 3. I probably read these verses to you 10 times a year. I love them. They've been so meaningful to me, and they are so powerful. And I'm just going to break this down. When you get home, you know, read, well, I'll read the whole chapter, but but read verses like 7 through 12 or whatever. To, and actually before that, read the whole chapter. <laughs> just read the whole chapter. Because Paul starts out here and he's talking about his background. He's talking about who he was. He's talking about the things that were valuable to him the priorities of his life, the things that gave him standing in his community. He talks about his education. He talks about his uh, his education in the scripture, his connection with the Pharisees. He talks about his place in Judaism. He talks about all those things that for him, those were valuable. They They gave him worth and they gave him position in his uh, in his group. And then he comes down and he and he says here, uh, in verse eight, and again, I'm I'm abbreviating this, so I'm not cheating. I'm just only reading part of it. Um, he says here, I count everything as lost. Before that, he let me back up. So he listed all these things that were so valuable to him before he ran into Jesus, and valuable to his society. And and he he says there were all those things, and he says I count all of that as lost. My reputation, my position, my education, all that. That word loss, it means something to just be thrown overboard. It means garbage. It means something without value. And all those things were valuable. But it's, but what he's saying, when he uses this word count, first he says, I count all of that as lost. Then he comes down here to verse 8 and he says, I count everything as lost compared to knowing Christ. That word count is uh, a term of evaluation. It is an accounting term. And it's it's as if he were taking two columns of figures and comparing the two and and saying, here's, here's what this one holds. Here's what this one totals up to. Here's what this one totals up to. One is far more valuable than the other. This one totals out to everything compared to that this one over here is nothing. All the stuff in my life, comparatively, everything else in my life, my education, my background, what I've worked for, my good works that I thought were going to get me to heaven. He goes through this whole list and he says, I take everything else in my life. And when I lay it up against knowing Christ, when I compare those two things, they look like something that is trash, something to be thrown out. He's not saying don't have a good reputation, don't have a great business, don't have any of those things. He's not saying that. He's saying prioritize your life appropriately. 
look at what it is and understand that knowing progressively, deeply, intimately, personally, knowing Jesus Christ is of supreme value. It is the thing of supreme value. He says, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He goes down farther and he says, for his sake, I've lost everything and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ. And then down in verse 10, he says, my determined purpose is that I may know him experientially. So again, that's not just knowing about him experientially. It's mean I'm, it means I'm having encounters with Jesus. I'm experiencing what he's saying to me, what he's doing in my life, the way that he's impacting my heart. I'm experiencing the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm experiencing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in my life. He's speaking things to me. He's leading me in all different ways. I'll get hung up on the word speak, but he's leading me in all these ways. And he says, I'm becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm working with him more and more. I'm, I'm walking with him more and more. I'm getting acquainted with him. I'm, I'm understanding, I'm seeing his personality. I'm seeing how he does what he does. I'm understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. And in that same way, I'm experiencing the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers. So, so Paul is establishing the priorities of his life around this one supreme priority of knowing Christ. I was thinking this morning about Martha and Mary and that whole story of Jesus coming to their home and and Martha, you know the story. Martha begins to serve and make preparation. All these people are coming to her house. It's not that that was wrong. She's working hard to make everybody feel comfortable and be sure they're fed. And I'm sure, you know, foot washing and all the stuff that had to go on for, for these people to come into her home, including Jesus. And her sister is just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching. And Martha gripes about it, and Martha even goes as far as to say, Jesus, tell her to get up. To love being pulled into stuff between family members. <laughs> Jesus, tell her to get up and help me serve. And he said, Martha, you're concerned about a lot of things. He didn't say they were bad things. He didn't say that she shouldn't make people comfortable in her home. She shouldn't be a good hostess. He didn't say any of that. He said, but Mary has found the one supreme good thing, and she's chosen it. She's chosen that above these other things, and it's not going to be taken away from her. That, to me, it's a priority issue. He's Mary prioritized, yep, this stuff needs to be done. You know what? The dishes can wait. You know, you know what? This Doing that serving is not as important as getting to know Jesus. It's the difference between I believe in God or I have religious beliefs. I have my faith, but it's not evident anywhere. I have that kind of thing. And it's sort of this outward thing that we carry around. That's different than knowing Jesus. And he's given us his word 
And he's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can know him. I mean, this is, Paul calls it a a supreme privilege or a priceless privilege or whatever it said there. It is. It is a priceless privilege. Think of it, to know God. You don't have to go through life and your friends don't have to go through life. I don't have all that with, with just having, I believe in God. Our assignment is, you know, the, the Bible calls it make disciples. Well, what that is, is you walking with Jesus, but connecting with another person or two in your life that you are sharing that with and that you are helping to get to know Jesus. You don't have to be some super scholar to disciple people. In fact, I I don't really think that's what God's looking for. He gave that assignment to every single one of us. There should be some people in our life that we're just sharing what we know so far. We're just sharing where we are so far. We're not presenting ourselves as the great know-it-alls. We're not doing any of that, but we are taking them arm in arm and helping them progress in Jesus. That's discipleship. That's what it is. And that's, you know, so it's it's helping them move into this life with him. Paul here, you still with me? Paul here, with this prioritization, what he was saying is that every other relationship, every other activity, every other pursuit, you know, that he had in his life was, first of all, to be secondary to knowing and pleasing Jesus. So it's this, I think, you know, and we're coming up on a lot of us take time at the beginning of the year to kind of reevaluate our priorities. It's sort of a thing, you know, that we do, and it's it can be a cultural thing, but it's a good thing to be able to take some time and say, Lord, why don't you tell me about my priorities? You know, I, I want to be sure that all these other things and all those other things will put so much pressure on your life. They will, whether it's your, your work life, you know, education life, relational life, whatever it is, they will put so much pressure on you. Those things want to be in charge. Those things want to be the higher priority. You have to decide. Every one of those things, as valuable as they are, I'm not saying they're not valuable, they have to be secondary to the one supreme priority knowing Jesus. And that's what that's what Paul's doing here. And here's another one. All of those things, as we choose relationships, as we choose pursuits, as we choose activities, we need to choose things that one way or another enhance getting to know Jesus. They don't all have to revolve around church. But there, you know as well as I do, there are certain relationships for sure. There are certain activities, there are certain things we can be involved in, certain things we can pursue that will take all of your time, take all of your focus, take all of your uh, focus, I guess is the best word I can come up with. And, and they, will, they will consume so much from you and they're not moving you toward the Lord. They're either keeping you stagnant, which is okay with the devil. He doesn't mind if you're stagnant. He doesn't like it when you grow. Or they're actually pulling you backwards. And you've, you and I have to make some tough choices about that. You have to decide what you actually have time 
to do and pursue and focus on in life and still give that relationship with Jesus what it deserves and the amount of time it deserves. All of us go through seasons where, oh man, I'm so busy and I just haven't quite had the time. It had better be a short season. If those seasons turn into multiple seasons, you've got a problem and you need to make a different choice. And that's what Paul's saying here. I evaluated everything in my life and I realized when I lay it up together, this relationship with Christ, knowing Christ, is the, is of supreme importance and supreme advantage in my life. So things need to be secondary to him. They need to, the things we choose as we go along through life, they should be things that enhance our relationship. Hang out with people that spur you on toward loving good deeds instead of people that drag you back. You're going to have to change some friendships if that's where you are, if that's what's happening, or if it's just keeping you stagnant. If you're constantly in a situation where, well, I can't really say anything about Jesus. Well, I'm not saying ditch all of that. I'm just saying it needs that those relationships, if you are moving and ministering, man, I've got myself tangled up now. I think you know this. I am not saying don't have non-Christian friends. Absolutely have non-Christian friends. But you need to be the ones who are bringing his life and influence and as much as you can, as much as you can, and bringing that relation forward. If it's a relationship, and we've all had them, where every time you're with those people, you become the person you used to be, you need to cut that relationship off. It's as simple as that, at least for now. you got to cut it off because this is too important. For you to know Jesus is what produces. The next point I have there is, the, the things we're involved in and the things that we do increasingly should be the fruit of this relationship with Jesus. So more and more and more, I'm choosing things that enhance the relationship with Jesus. I'm, I'm focused on that. And more and more, his life is pouring out through the things that I do, whether that's through your business, through your friendships, through your activities, your recreation, whatever it is, more and more that life is pouring out. And some people are in your life are not going to like that, and they are not going to stay with you. And I'm sorry, I know that hurts, but you have to stay focused. The only way you are going to, or I, any of us, are going to minister life to people is if we are walking in the eternal life of knowing him and the Father, that's when fruit starts to come. That's when we say things. I write a little thing. It was no big deal. I've actually had two calls now that talked about that testimony. And it was no big, long thing. I just mentioned it. There's life in your words that you won't even know. You won't even know what you're saying or your actions. And people notice and they see how you live, but there's life. It pulls them, it draws them. The Holy Spirit can draw them through that. The only way that happens is if, I don't know how to say it, that life is alive in you and alive in me. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He said, I looked at everything and I've decided I have, it is my determined purpose to know him. I mean, that is so simple and so profound. My determined purpose is that I may know him, become more, know him experientially, become more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. 
you know, as we go through this, we just become more passionate about what he is passionate about. We just we just begin to, it's not like we have to cut a bunch of things out of our life or, or you know, we can't make this up. We've just got, if we focus on the relationship, really, the rest will very much take care of itself. We can walk with him. We can be led by him. Let me see if there's another, anything else that we just need to hit before we close today. Yeah, I'll just stop with this. Um, I'll just give you these two verses. One is over in Exodus 33, verse 13, where Moses said to God, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. In Psalm 103.7, that, that first one was Exodus 33.13. Psalm 103.7, it says, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Part of this thing of getting to know him, again, it's not knowing about him. We get to know what the Bible calls his ways. That word means a pattern of living. We get to know his pattern of living, which includes his motivations, his intentions, and his desired outcome. His motivations, his intentions, his desired outcome. So knowing his ways means we're not just, you know, the people of Israel saw his deeds. Well, that's just actions. Okay, here's what God did. God parted the Red Sea. Moses began to see the parting of the Red Sea meant that God is a deliverer. It meant that God would go before us. It meant that God would make a way where there seemed to be no no way. It meant that God loved his people so much that he was fulfilling his word to them. Every deed, every action that the Lord has ever taken reveals something about his nature. And this whole idea of knowing him, we're going beyond just being able to say, well, Jesus healed this person on that day. We're seeing the reason Jesus did that healing was because he was demonstrating the love of the Father. He was demonstrating that the Father was a healer. He was demonstrating how precious an outcast from the society was to him. All these different things. Those are his ways, and they are patterns of living. We start to see patterns of living. The Lord does this over and over and over. Just like when you live with someone, you can begin, we're not always right, but we can begin to predict how they're going to respond. Well, the same thing happens with the Lord. We can begin to know this person is hurting The Lord wants to get involved with that. He wants to free them. He wants to heal them. He wants them. He wants to break that addiction. He wants them to know how valuable they are to him. We can begin to know what his heart is, what his intention is. We begin to know his ways. So Jesus has made all of that available to us. And and he said eternal life is not just believing there's a God. So what do we do with this? And again, I'm just going to wrap this up right here. I don't have all the answers for the people in your life or even in my life on how to bring all of that to them. I do know that our our testimony, and you may think your testimony is nothing, and I bet it's not. 
Our testimony is an important part. Our prayers of intercession are an important part. Our living, our being real and honest with people is an important part. Our not condemning people for where or how they live. We can have an opinion about it, but if we're getting into condemnation, that's not the heart of God. That's an important part of it. Our being courageous and bold in the Holy Spirit and willing to share something with people. That's a huge part of this. So there are a lot of elements to it, but it begins with us knowing Christ ourselves, progressively knowing him. That starts to show through without you even trying very hard. That puts life in the other things that you do. Did you get anything out of this? Let's just pray together. Father, Lord, I I pray, Father, as we come to the end of this year and into the next year, Lord, that every one of us go deeper with you. Lord, that we go deeper with you. Father, I pray that in even in our, our time of prayer and fasting coming up, we go deeper with you. Lord, that for every one of us, if we've if there's any area where we have become distracted or discouraged, or uh I know we all have areas that we just we don't know the answer, you know, but Father, I pray, Lord. Help us to press through every one of those and press through into intimacy with you, into asking you childlike questions, into watching what you're doing every day. Lord, into watching what you do in your word. And Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that you come to reveal that word to us. You come to give us the wisdom of God that passes all of our understanding, goes beyond anything we can calculate. You come to give us the wisdom of God. You come to show us how to walk this out. And Lord, we need that because God, there are people all around us that you love. There are people all around us that are missing out on walking with you in life, Lord. This isn't about religion. It's about the awesome privilege of knowing the almighty God. And so, Lord, we pray for them and we pray, Father, for whatever our role is. It's probably just one role, but God, we need to know how to represent you well in every place that we go and everything that we do. And we ask it, Lord, just show us, just show us, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be dismissed. Eat up the rest of the Christmas stuff out there, please. Eat it. Take it home with you. We don't want to be wearing it anymore, okay? But you do. All right. (laughs) All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison base in the world. Then you guys go out there and be the church. I know you do. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.